to the greatest combat sports and culture show in the universe. We're talking about the Fight Podcast. I am your boy, the underground king, Serge Vicente, and this is episode 166 of the Fight Podcast. Bro, we keep moving right along, and today we got another fire episode for you. We have our weekend breakdown episode, and on today's menu, what are we going to do on today's menu? Look, I'm going to tell you right now. Now, on today's menu, we are going to talk about the biggest fight of all combat sports of the weekend. We know it was at Las Vegas, Nevada. We know it was at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. It was a rematch between the American monster, the bronze bomber, Deontay Wilder, trying to make his 10th title defense at heavyweight with the WBC against Lewis King Kong Ortiz, the boogeyman of the heavyweight division. We're going to break that fight down. We are also going to talk about Bellator. We have a little bit of MMA. Bellator had a mm, interesting card. Another one of their lackluster performances, but they had one of the biggest stars in the sport. MVP Michael Venom Page performed. I'm going to discuss his performance and if he's actually overrated or not. We're going to go ahead and jump into that. We're also going to jump into this weekend's winners and losers. You might be surprised who this weekend's loser actually is. And I'm also going to go ahead and introduce a new little segment where it is train like a fighter. A lot of us don't know my background, but I am going to show it to you today. But before we jump into this juicy podcast, I have to give a shout out to the plug. We are brought to you guys each and every week by Sage Eats Chicago. Sage Eats is a healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring company right here in Chicago. Um, Don't worry if you're not in Chicago. I will tell you how Sage Eats looks out for you. But if you are in Chicago... Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. They cook and deliver healthy meals directly to your home or office. All meals are grass-fed. All meals are organic. They're delicious. It is not like those other boxes that they send you a whole lot of ugly fruit and produce and packaged meats. No. Everything Sage Eats does is fresh right there to you cooked prepared by a team of amazing chefs they knock it out for you cook deliver right to your home or office if you're not in chicago look it is okay sage eats also has something for you right now sage eats is offering fitness mentoring and nutrition consultation fitness mentoring nutrition consultation sage eats will provide you a coach that will sit back and break down right out and help you with your workouts as well as nutrition on a day-to-day basis. Sage Eats, your one-stop shop for fitness, nutrition, and all around looking better naked. That's what Sage Eats is here for, people. (laughs) That's what it is. So uh, check out Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Again, check them out at sageeatschicago.com. 
eat chicago.com apply promo code fight for 10% off your first three months also check them out everywhere on all social media platforms at sage eats chicago so check them out on all social media at sage eats and check them out on the website get 10% off at sage eat chicago.com also don't forget to check out the Fight Podcast, the greatest combat sports and culture show in the universe. Let everybody know they're everywhere. Podcasting is available. That's iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, as well as thefightpodcast.com. Let your friends know. Come on now. The more you let people know, the more we can bring you guys fire-ass content. We have amazing guests coming up very soon. We're going to be at some of the biggest events of the year. Keep your eyes and ears open for that. And also, don't just check out us on all social media platforms. Also, check us out everywhere on all social media platforms at the fight podcast and follow your boy at Serge Vicente, the underground king himself. <laughs> All right, man. Yo, I have been sitting here. It's you. Like I said, it is usually a Monday when I go ahead and put these together. Um, busy, busy working all running around. But, you know, this is what we're here for. We love it. We love giving you guys this information. And we have to break these fights down because if we don't do it, yo, Nobody's going to do it better. So we're going to go ahead and break it down for you, man. But I'm hype. First of all, this fight this past weekend was incredible. I couldn't wait to get in here and tell you guys about it. But at the same time, I'm not going to stunt. Fam, I have been vibing to all kinds of new music. And uh, my boy, Action Bronson, came out with a new EP, Lamb Over Rice. And I'm not going to lie, man. I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Action's music. Um, not only is he somebody who is super dope as a chef. Um, granted, for those of us who don't know, my background is in culinary arts, as well as one of the best strength conditioning coaches around. So, uh, um, yo, loving listening to this, man. I was vibing, putting the show together today. Um, if you have an opportunity, man, check it out. Action Bronson's that dude. He has incredible content up there. Um, not only his TV shows on Viceland, Fuck That's Delicious, the untitled Action Bronson show, and my personal favorite, um, Traveling the Stars, Action Bronson and Friends Watch. Um, uh, ancient aliens man so all in all man i'm a huge action fan as you can probably imagine at this point in time but my man yo he can rap man he can legit flow i'm over here vibing out uh to all of his new music and stuff and speaking of new music and i know i'll talk about this later on this week when the boxing guru comes back but that's brandon camille but man, yo, these Grammys, it has to get to a point in time. These award shows got to start getting things right. They do. All these obscure, you know, people. And, and I have no idea who votes. And the reason I bring this up, and you guys know, if you listen on a day-to-day basis, you guys already know, yo, I love hip-hop. I do. I'm a huge fan. And uh, the Grammys came out this past weekend. Yo, I should have put the Grammys into my winners and losers list because we all know the Grammy selection will absolutely come in as losers. The fact that they did not have 
Freddie Gibbs in album of the year this year is ugh, it's awful. But more awful than that, the fact that Rhapsody didn't get any love and didn't get a nod in such an incredible album that she had, fam. Come on, there's great hip-hop out here. You can't keep on giving us bullshit, pissing on our head and keep in telling us raining. Because at the end of the day, what's going to happen, man? All these artists are going to stop showing respect and stop caring about the Grammy Awards. We all know it doesn't even matter. So at the end of the day, we all know good hip-hop. And I'm telling you guys right now, yo, check out that action. Freddie Gibbs is that dude. Um, Rhapsody is one of the best rap, top three lyricists in the game regardless on gender right now uh th- there's a lot of great music going on man dude benny the butcher i love benny the butcher and if you're a little you know want to get a little smooth and soft and stuff bro you know Wale's out there too man so a lot of good music out i look i had to get my little soliloquy on but um without further ado Yo, let's go ahead and jump into this juicy ass episode, episode 166 of the Fight Podcast. And we're going to start this menu off with none other than the heavyweight, WBC heavyweight title fight headlined by Deontay the Bronze Bomber Wilder and Luis King Kong Ortiz. This was the rematch. Um, this was at, like I said before, the MGN Grand Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. A lot of people, including myself, I look at this place as being the mecca of boxing. I look at this place as being one of the biggest backdrops, the most historical backdrops, especially for heavyweight boxing in the world. And the fact that Deontay Wilder and Luis Ortiz headlined it. Man, I was excited. I was so excited. This fight was one of those that a lot of people couldn't wait for. And it was compelling because first and foremost, Luis Ortiz is known as the boogeyman of the heavyweight division. He is somebody who is extremely dangerous, has an incredible record, only has one loss on his incredible, incredible, incredible resume. And that was the Deontay Wilder about a year and a half ago. So a lot of people were saying that, look, Deontay was getting his face boxed off in the first fight and he got lucky. And a lot of saying, don't, don't forget about, yes, Deontay knocked him down in the fifth, but he got up and in the seventh, Deontay Wilder was on skates. And again, I'm talking about the first matchup. And this is what a lot of people were saying leading into this one. And they were saying, look, man, Luis Ortiz, if he gets in shape, no matter how old he is, this fight, he should win. And I heard a lot of that leading into this matchup without actually taking into account a lot of different things. So for those of us, even Luis Ortiz wanted to believe that it was his actual, his conditioning that was the biggest difference in the fight. And he felt as if, look, once I actually figure this out, well, then it's a wrap. It's a legitimate wrap once I figure out my conditioning. And he did. He got, what's his name? Conti or whatever the hell the dude's name is. Buddy from Snatch Nutrition. The same strength and conditioning coach as Sean Showtime Porter, who he always knows comes ready to rock. 
as well as Caleb Plant, who's never out of shape. And if you saw Luis Ortiz, yo, Luis looked ready. He did. He he was all, you know, he had some traps. He was he had a no, not a full six pack. He had two. We had two solid abs. But you can tell physically he looked incredible. He was down 30 pounds from the last matchup. People were anticipating Luis Ortiz. This was dangerous. And this is why people like even myself said, man, I hate this matchup. I hate this matchup because Luis Ortiz is one of the most skilled guys in the in the weight class. He's a southpaw. He has power in both hands. And he's huge. And not to mention, again, he's somebody from that Cuban factory. He's 6'4". He's a southpaw. We don't know how old he is. And he's extremely dangerous. So Deontay Wilder takes his fight especially after he couldn't get the rematch right away with Tyson Fury. Fight kicks off, and I think a lot of people anticipated this happening, but Luis Ortiz was outboxing Deontay Wilder. To the point that the majority of the the pundits and even the sideline judges had it scored at the time of stoppage. Listen to what I said. At the time of stoppage, they had it scored 58-56, Six rounds, nothing. Six rounds, nothing. Five rounds, one. I had it five rounds, one myself. Coming into the seventh round, the round that Deontay Water caught himself being in trouble with last time. And sure enough, again, Luis Ortiz seemed to be dictating the pace of the fight. He seemed to be, again, winning the rounds. And then at the very end of the round, you saw Deontay Wilder picking up the pace. In fact, Deontay Wilder didn't just pick up the pace in the seventh round. You can see the momentum starting to shift a little bit. Towards the middle to the end of the sixth round. That's why a lot of people gave Deontay even the sixth. So we saw Deontay starting to pick up the pace. And it seemed like Luis Ortiz might have actually started slowing down. And with, and, and honestly, in a blink of an eye. Yo, I, I, legitimately, in a blink of a fucking eye. Deontay Wilder, whether it been Luis Ortiz taking a little bit of a break losing focus for a fraction of a second, regardless on whatever it was, he took a shot. Looked like Thor's hammer dropped on his chin. Bah! Lands a bomb. He crumples in pieces. Yo, when people who are over six feet tall get knocked down, they fall in sections. And if you fall in sections, fam, it's curtains. You can cancel Christmas. Couldn't answer the bell. His team wanted to say it wasn't quick enough, but let, let's keep it a buck. He would not. He didn't answer the bell. Fight's over. Deontay Wilder wins. Seventh round. Deontay Wilder ends up retaining his WBC belt. He also, Wilder gets his 10th WBC title defense. He has been 
reigning at the WBC heavyweight division since 2015. And now he is tied with Muhammad Ali with second all time with 10 title defenses with that belt. That's incredible. Yo, um, fam, this really made me think about a number of different things, right? And and I want to, to paint a picture. This is, first and foremost, this is amazing. Congratulations to Deontay Wilder going out there and legitimately proving that he is the scariest guy in the weight class. Um, and also proving that out of all of the guys in the top five, he's willing to take on the most devastating opponents, the biggest names, the most challenging guys. Because we forget, not only has he fought Luis Ortiz twice, he's fought Tyson Fury. And before that, he's been, since 2015, he has been attempting to fight Anthony Joshua. And in between that time, he also tried, without getting him, he tried to fight Alexander Povetkin. All of these guys are ranked in the top five. These are people that Deontay Wilder has been attempting to make this fight with consistently. He's fighting the best of the best. He's not dodging anyone. So, But now let's talk about his fight because the thing that I continue hearing is this. A lot of people keep saying, oh, Serge, and I got an argument with Buddy earlier today. Serge, he doesn't have any skills. He doesn't have this. Yo, fuck that. Anybody who says this man doesn't have skills needs to stop watching the sport. Is he one-dimensional? I, I, I can give you that. Okay. Does he, is he lack of skills? No. Here's the thing. He is a specialist. And he understands that his skill set is better than anybody else. Deontay Wilder came out with a quote that said this. I never worry about if I'm losing the fight or not, or winning or losing the fight. I'm blessed with something these other guys aren't blessed with. And that's tremendous power. Fam, he knows it. So what does Deontay Wilder do in order to sit there and separate himself from everybody else? Because let's not forget this. Wilder has KO'd everybody he has faced everybody Burmaid Severn went 12 rounds with him in 2015 they fought again in a rematch Deontay smoked him Serge he didn't knock out Tyson Fury yes he did 1,000% he knocked out Tyson Fury, but Tyson Fury had an Undertaker moment, hopped out of the death, and hopped back up. He has dropped every man he's been in the ring with, and now he has a record. Just, uh, Just an incredible record. 41 wins, 40 knockouts, one draw. Zero losses. People, the proof is in the pudding. Because think about this, and again, oh, but he can do, but Tyson's gonna buy. Dude, we don't know that. But one thing we do know is that 
in order to fight Deontay Wilder, you must fight a perfect fight. And you must not have any laps. Deontay Wilder knows he doesn't have to have a perfect fight. All he needs is one moment in time. And guess what? He carries that power from round one to round 12. So what does this victory mean for Deontay Wilder? Well, first and foremost, it means finally the Tyson Fury fight is actually going to happen. Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder are already scheduled to fight February 22nd. It is signed. It is sealed. It is delivered. It is three months away. He gets a month to rest. He gets two months to train. I'm totally cool with it. But what this also does for Deontay Wilder is this. Over the last two years, Deontay Wilder has fought Luis Ortiz, Tyson Fury, Dominic Brazil, Luis Ortiz. The rest of the big heavyweights have either A, lost, or B, not look great against bums. So what does that mean? As of right now, in my humble opinion, and not only my humble opinion, a lot of individuals humble opinion, Deontay Wilder is the best heavyweight in the world. Number one, Deontay Wilder. Number two, because he looked boo-boo last fight, Tyson Fury. Number three has to be the other belt holder in um the destroyer Andy Ruiz, number four, and a lot of people aren't, aren't going to agree with me, but this is how I feel. Number four is Luis Ortiz. Number five, Anthony Joshua. That's my top five. Yeah, I'm be honest with you. I don't see how you argue it very much. You can't put Joshua there. Furies look like shit. Since this happened, and you know what a lot of people aren't talking about is this. People are like, oh, Tyson Fury fights up to a level of competition. That's why he hasn't looked great. Eh, We can say that, or we can say something that is also something that has been proven. When you take a lot of damage, when you've been KO'd nasty or dropped hard, Sometimes you are never the same. There is a unique and a legitimate possibility that the damage that Tyson Fury took after that fight, he might not be the same. Now, we won't know this until after they actually fight, but it's something to keep in mind. Regardless, Deontay Wilder looked amazing. Okay, look. He didn't look amazing. The fight, a lot of people think it was boring. And I could agree with it might be boring, but then at the end of the day, Deontay Wilder is the most, the most exciting heavyweight in the world. One of the most, he is the most exciting over the last couple of generations. Definitely more exciting than anybody in the Klitschko era. And he's right on the lines of the guys with Lennox and Tyson. Now, Think about this. Out of the greatest KO punchers in the world, where does Deontay, in the history of boxing, 
where does Deontay Wilder legitimately add up? People throw names out there. Of course, Mike Tyson, George Foreman, Lennox Lewis, Sonny Liston, Ernie Shavers. These are the guys that people always put up there as the biggest punchers of all time. I'm going to be the first to tell you and I'm going to go ahead and and I don't and again, I'm not the only one that feels this way. If you look at somebody for instance like again, people who I Dan Rafael or Raphael, whatever the name is, Dan Rafael, Ravel, the um, amazing senior ESPN boxing analyst, he actually agrees with me. Out of all those guys, Tyson, Foreman, Lewis, Liston, Shavers, nobody has one-punch KO power like Deontay Wilder. We have never seen anything like this. All of those other guys had to have, honestly, more tools in their tool shed. Deontay is so good at his skill set. He understands it. He, again, I'm not hoping and praying. I'm shooting and firing. And that's how he gets these dudes out here. He is a special, special fighter. He is somebody who will go down in history of boxing as the greatest KO puncher of all time. And we need to get his brother his flowers as he is still here. Uh, Amazing fight by him. Can't wait to see what happens in February. Moving right along. We got a little bit of MMA action this past weekend. I know it's been a little quiet with the holidays coming up. Um, But we had Bellator. Bellator was back in action this past weekend. And the card was headlined. It was a short notice fight. But it was still headlined by Michael Venom Page. And he was supposed to fight Gio Mililio. And uh, Gio, and this was in Bellator London. And um, and I'll say this, man. um, Where to start? Look, this card, honestly... It's not even worth talking about, to to be honest with you. But I needed to talk about one of the biggest draws in Bellator, and that's Michael Venom Page. Michael Venom Page had the the Sports Center top ten knockout. He ends up knocking out another can um, in early action, first round, huge right hand. Um, he beats Milo, who was thirteen and five. Um, now he's sixteen and one. Uh, he's back on a two-fight win streak after his devastating KO loss to the champion Douglas Lima. Douglas Lima is a 170-pound champion at Bellator, arguably the best welterweight champion in the world. I've discussed this ad nauseum, but Douglas Lima is a bad dude. He's nasty. He has power in both hands. Just beat down Rory McDonald. And he's somebody who has grown and gotten better with time. Now, Michael Venom Page, who has all the... My man's break dances when he's out there. He looks like a snake. He's long. He's explosive. He fights nobody. And I'm going to explain this to you right now. I am not excited about it because at the very end of the day, a couple things, even a former opponent of his, somebody who he's even beating, arguably, but he still beat him. And I am talking about Paul Semtex Daly. Paul Daly, after the fight, pretty much went out on record and said this. 
this is ridiculous. And this is what Paul Daly said after a fight, and he was actually transcribed by Mike Bohan, an MMA junkie. You can't continually beat these kind of opponents. Yes, he knocks them out, but he's expected to knock them out. What does this prove? The fact that he knocked out a guy nobody will remember? It proves nothing. It proves nothing at all. Why did he do that to me? Why did wait? Why didn't he do it to me? Why didn't he do it to Douglas Lima? Because he's not of that caliber. He also goes on to say, "I need to see more from Michael Venom Page." In my opinion, in mine too. Whether it's a rematch with me or a rematch with another top tier fighter, does a win over this guy warrant a title shot? In my opinion, it doesn't. Yes, he's a star. Yes, people love him. But can he really fight? The two times he stepped up on paper, he got a quote-unquote victory over me. Again, this is Paul Daly. Most people, including me and me, this is Serge saying this, thought he lost the fight. Second time he stepped up against the champion who went through, who I went three rounds with, he gets knocked out cold. So he needs to fight solid opponents instead of uh, them feeding him these guys. End quote. I couldn't agree with Paul Daly more. Look at these guys' record. I'm going to go down the list of Paul, De- or should I say Michael Venom Page's last nine wins on his record. These are the, the records of the guys he's actually faced. 16 and 13. Six and three, 21 and 17, 25 and 13, 19 and four. That was Dave Rickles, the only real name that we can give him credit for. Paul Daly, 40 and 16, who again, I've already said, I believe Paul won. Three and one, 13 and four. Guys, this is ridiculous. He's fighting bums, and he's really not getting tested. And Paul Daly makes a great point. The moment that he went out there and actually stood out there and actually fought somebody who on paper should give him trouble, they legitimately gave him trouble or they finished him. If Michael Venom Page was a member of the UFC or was on the UFC roster, he would have by now been booted. He would have been cut. And I say that because I'm going to be honest with you. I am not a believer in his skill set. I think he has been in this game far too long for him not to fight anybody substantial. And at the end of the day, I don't see what Bellator is doing. They do an amazing job of breaking up and actually bringing on specific, specific prospects. But this man isn't a prospect anymore. He's supposed to be a star. His record is 16 and 1. He has 17 fights. Prime example. The UFC had Israel Asanya come in the UFC with a he only he's only 18 and 0. He fought solid competition when he, you know, journeyman, whatever guys, when he came in, big, you know, prospects. He beat a prospect, beat another prospect. First guy, can't remember his name, beat him up, but that guy was the top rated prospect at his weight class. His second fight, and again, I'm talking about Adesanya, was Martin Vittori, the top middleweight out of Italy, one of the top middleweights out of Europe. After that, Derek Brunson, 
litmus test. I've talked about it all the time. Anderson Silva, proverbial goat. Kelvin Gaslam, bad motherfucker. Robert Whitaker, the champion. Look at the quality and the caliber of names that I just that I just listed. Who in the fuck is Michael Bevin the Page fighting? I'm not impressed. And this is what's happening. More and more, as we see, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody's tuning in to watch this guy anymore. Why? Because the jig is up. They're not giving him anybody. They're not giving anybody who's worthy of fighting. And at the end of the day, if he's not fighting anybody who matters, the moment he fought somebody who matters, he lost. And now he's not. We don't know what's happening. The Bellator, again, what are you doing? They're not doing him any favors. We need to bring him along. Is he a star or is he not? It is time to shit or get off the pot, people. You have one or two options now. We give him somebody who is top tier because here's the thing. Bellator has an amazing 170-pound weight class. We just saw it in this tournament. Why? Why doesn't Michael Van Page fight any of those guys? They keep giving them bums. They keep giving them warm-up fights. What is happening? This is a shame. This is a misstep. And at the end of the day, I can't lie. I don't care to watch Michael Venom Page. Because if you keep on giving him fighting dudes 16 to 13 records, 6 and 3, and even Big Dan, uh, uh, what's it called? The, the referee who's now the main guy. Whatever the fuck. Big John McCarthy. Big John McCarthy comes out because somebody tried to sit back a fan of Michael Venom Page and, and pretty much questioned it. Right? Oh, I don't like what I'm seeing. Whatever. I know you work with Bellator. I understand that those are your employers. But the fact that Big Big John legitimately, after everything that I already just told you guys, and he says he had a really tough opponent in Derek Anderson, but Derek pulled out with less than two weeks until fight night. Not many fighters are comfortable in training for Paige with the full camp, no less than a week and a half camp. It's not his fault. Big John, I love you. Shut the fuck up. Are you fucking crazy? Are we really going to go in? I know that they're they're your employer, but you can't defend this. It looks bad on the organization. It looks bad on Big Dan. It looks bad on Scott Coker. And more than anything else, it looks really bad for Michael Venom Page. I'm not impressed. And at the end of the day, this is why people say the UFC is better than Bellator. There is no nonsense like this. I believe in building people up, but after a certain point in time, guys, I know I'm ragging on this, but yo, you got to do better. You have to. All right. Speaking of doing better, moving right along to this week's new other segment. We got winners and losers. Who is this week's winners and losers? Actually, before we get to that, yo, Shout out to the plug. Don't forget, each and every week, we're brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meals and fitness mentoring. Check out Sage Eats at sageeatchicago.com. Again, check us out at sageeatchicago.com. 
Chicago.com. Sage Eats Chicago offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. They deliver healthy meals right to your home or office right in Chicago. If you are in Chicago, fear not. They have something for you. Check out Sage Eats Chicago.com and they take care of all of your fitness mentoring. They write your workouts, help you with four week programming, and they give you week to week recommendations and adjustments. They also help you out with all of your nutrition consultation. Again, check out sageeatchicago.com for all of your fitness and health needs. Also, while we're at it, don't forget to check out thefightpodcast.com and don't forget to tell your friends about the greatest combat sports and culture show in the universe. That is The Fight podcast check them let them know check it out at the fightpodcast.com also all social media platforms at the fight podcast all right let's jump back into the action with this week's winners and losers all right yo starting off with winners because that's how we get down um I got to give this week's winner to Leo Santa Cruz. Leo Santa Cruz is an amazing, amazing boxer. He was a co-main event for the Deontay Wilder Lewis Ortiz 2 fight this weekend. And for good reason, he was going for not his first, not his second, not his third, but he was going for his fourth title in a fourth different weight class. And guess what? Leo Santa Cruz made it happen. He goes out there and wins his fourth title in four weight classes where he cruises to unanimous decision win to claim the vacant junior um, lightweight title that is 135 pounds. He also has a bantamweight title, a junior featherweight title. He's a reigning featherweight king, and he is only the fifth Mexican to win titles in four weight classes. The others are Hall of Famers, Eric Morales, Juan Manuel Marquez, Jorge Arce. All three of those are Hall of Famers and the future Hall of Famer and most people, including my own current pound for pound, Canelo Alvarez. So what does that say to you guys? A couple things. This was an incredible. First of all, okay, the fight itself, I'm going to be honest with you, it was an easy win. He cruises to a win, beats a really, really tough guy, hurt his opponent in the third round, and kind of just cruised from there on out. Easy, unanimous decision win. After the fight, Leo Santa Cruz says, he stay, look, he wants to move up, get this, but he wants to stay at 130 pounds. He wants to fight either Javante Davis or Gary Russell Jr. Yo, the fact that he got his four title defenses is amazing. The fact that those four title defenses are going to give him the opportunity to actually call his shots, make more money, and get a huge payday by fighting a Javante Davis or a Gary Russell Jr. is dope. But you know what this also did? This also, with a record of 37-1-1, 19 KOs, Leo Santa Cruz is a Hall of Famer, people. Four title, four titles, four different weight classes, defended the title in each one. Leo Santa Cruz is a Hall of Famer. He's only 31 years old. He has a long way to go. I love what I'm seeing by that dude. And I hope, 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 I hope 
he legitimately gets his shot against either Javante Davis or Gary Russell Jr. So salute to the man. Incredible champion, the incredible fighter of the future, Hall of Famer. Let's show some love to this week's winner, Leo Santa Cruz. All right. With that being said, is the loser of the week. And I have to say this, man. Um, honestly, I wasn't going to give the loser of the week to anybody. That's not true. I was going to give it to Floyd Mayweather. The fact that Floyd Mayweather, and I'll talk about this a little bit more in our fight news episode of the week. Floyd has said he's going to come back. He wants to fight again. And I was going to say Floyd is the loser of the week because at the end of the day, fam, go away gracefully. Don't come back to fight no MMA fighter or some other bullshit because we all know at this point in time, 42 years old, Floyd Mayweather is not going to beat anybody in the top. I don't care what any of y'all say. He can't beat Terrence Crawford. He can't beat Errol Spence Jr. And I am a huge Mayweather fan. Yay. In fact, if you don't like what I got to say, at me. I'll tell you exactly why. So I'm going to be honest with you. I was going to give him the loser of the week. But Dana White takes the cake. Gina Carano. Legends in the sport. One of the legends in women's MMA. Diehards have always wanted her to compete in the, at, the, the, at the Mecca, at the precipice with the UFC. She had an amazing fight. Lead FC ended up getting a huge fight. One of the first huge, the first pay-per-view women's fight of all time. That was with Chris Cyborg and herself, Gina Carano. So everybody always wanted her to come to the UFC and fight against Ronda Rousey. That fight never came to fruition. And Gina went on Ariel Hawani's show the first time she's actually ever been on this show to actually pretty much say exactly what's been going on with her and why that didn't happen. And this is what Gina had to say. Well, that's not what I wanted to say, but check it out. That happened, but listen to this. A little lengthy, but this is what she got to say. So I was in a very fragile, I think, position moving into Haywire as it was. And then when we went and shot Haywire, I just gave it everything I was able to ignore. Um, Just get my head. Look, man, I'm over here talking shit and I went ahead and gave you guys the wrong video. All right. Give me two seconds. Three, two, blah, blah, blah. True or false? Did did they dub your voice in Haywire? Man, bro, I'm pulling up all kinds of rock shit. Hey. Um, I remember they all right. finally... So, again, this is the video, and I'm sorry about the nonsense, but this is the video where she ends up going out here, and she pretty much says why she didn't get a chance to fight uh, Ronda Rossi. You know, muscly guys at a table in, like, the middle of, like, Hollywood, and I remember thinking... Um, what took you guys so long? I've been not like, you know, in a meeting with Lorenzo Petita and Dana White. Well, you know, we'd love to offer you a million dollars. We'd love to, you know, have that fight. And I was like, um, well, that's, that sounds great. I'm going to need you. So what they're saying, and again, I'm going to pause this a couple of times so you guys know what the hell's going on. But she said they were going to give her a million dollars 
in order to fight Ronda Rousey. And this is Dana White and uh, Lorenzo Fertitta of Zufa. So let's go ahead and keep the party going. To do me a favor then, because I, I've been acting now and I'm not, you know, active in any gym. So it's going to take me, it's going to, you know, you're going to have to give me some time to build a team and go join a team, which is not an easy thing as sure as all the fighters know in this, you know, you, you have to find a team and, or build one that's going to like, be into what you're doing and if you haven't been like actively a part of anything you know you can walk in as Gina Carano or whoever and you know you still have to like you know find the people that are going to really be there for you and that takes time so I told him you know you got to just be able to sit on this for about six months um Dana you know like you, you can't say anything and let me like get situated with that in mind because that sounds great and I'd love to do it and so it was a nice dinner and we we all left you know, positive. And I, I left stoked and I, I was like, okay, well, this is, this makes sense. This is my moment to come and be back in there. Um, and then, uh, like the next day, Dana was out there talking about me and like saying, you know, talking about my name and like telling the people that he was going to sign me. And, and I don't even have a team yet. And I was like, that's not what we discussed. You're supposed to give me at least six months to kind of like find a team like um and then he started trying to put on the pressure through the media and then um it just really kind of it was a bummer because I told him uh, over text message you know like that's uh that's not what we talked about I need a I need time I can't just like you know now I'm gonna walk into a gym and people know that's what I'm doing I need to build trust I need to find people and um so then uh he kept on doing that. He kept on doing that. I'm still, you know, I was still kind of searching for a team and like feeling all that pressure. And then he sent me a text message that said, this isn't, uh, this bitch isn't, uh, this bitch isn't like something us around, like, you know, effing us around or something like that. And I, I sent a text message back. I, I said, I think that you, I think that you sent that to the wrong person. And he said, I don't think I did. And and that was the last conversation that we had over text message because I don't think that that was like the kind of uh, environment I wanted to come back into. And so I just cut all communication after that text. And um, then I remember seeing him when Mike Tyson and my dad were getting honored at a sport, like a sports hall of fame in Las Vegas. And he did come over and he genuinely apologized. But All right. So. I know that was a little lengthy. I appreciate you guys bearing with me, but check it out. I want to bring that to you guys and to your attention because of a couple of things. And yes, he did apologize. But first and foremost, the fact that a grown ass man went out there and shot a text message to any woman and calls her out of a name like that. Yo, fam, you're a schmuck. First and foremost, but also on top of the fact there that you went out there and honestly cost us one of the greatest female fighters of all time to actually fight in the best organization in the world because of some ego shit. What? That's nuts to me. 
And these aren't the only stories that we've heard. And yes, Dana White has changed a lot. And yes, there's been a lot of different stories of Dana doing great things. But yo, to go out there, call Lady out by her name, and then never make amends to it? Ah, it's unacceptable. It is unacceptable, and it is unacceptable the fact that we missed one of the greatest, fe- like honestly, opportunities ever. Because I'm gonna be honest with you guys: if Gina Carano fought against Ronda Rousey in Ronda Rousey's prime, Gina Carano wins. Oh, Serge, you're hating. No, I'm not hating. I know how good Gina was. And if you don't know, you need to go back. Yo, sir, she lost a cyborg. So? So does everybody aside from Amanda Nunes. Go back and look at those fights. Gina Carano was a monster. And if Dana White actually hindered her coming to the UFC because of some ego, to sit there and text somebody some fuck shit in the manner that he did, to sit there and legitimately call a woman, yo, this bitch ain't gonna come over here and fuck us? What? Fam, you're a loser. And Dana White continues to show why he's a loser. And check it out. Dana, if you're trying to get Floyd Mayweather to come over here, you're a loser too. Regardless, there it is. That's how I feel. Dana White is this week's loser of the week. All right, yo. All right, so check it out. We're going to go ahead and finish this up uh, with a little fun. And with the reason I want to do this is I want you guys to see and know what a lot of these fighters actually do in order to train. I am a strength and conditioning coach. Well, one of my many jobs and one of the things that I've done in the past, um, I have trained some of the best athletes in the world. I am a strength and conditioning coach for some amazing professional athletes. So there are a couple things that we can go out here to do in order to sit there and get right. So one thing that I love doing for people And one thing that athletes, myself included, when I used to fight, and one thing that people end up doing, again, we we help them out with muscular endurance, a little bit of hypertrophy, all the strength, and it's also not that bad on your joints. I love using bands. And bodyweight work, because look, we all understand you can't get to the gym all day, every day. So this week, what I'm going to leave you guys with is this. This is our banded 300 workout. This is a workout that we do for all of our, you know, our clients. This is what I've done with my pros. This is what I did when I actually competed at a high level against the best of the best. All in all, we got to focus on getting, yes, 300 reps. And there have been very different variations of this, and this is just my own. I'm not saying this is the best. I'm not saying this is the only. I am just stating that this is my own. Hope you guys enjoy it. So this is the Underground Kings Banded 300 workout. So you use the bands. Again, I'm sure you people know. You could use them for doing different variations. I double the band up. We're going to start off. We knock out 25 push-ups. After the push-ups, you are going to go ahead 
and knock out alternating sides you're gonna do forward lunges with band pull-aparts on each one that's 25 per leg after those 25 you're going to do a 25 banded bent over rows so you can look that up online you can see how it works but you're doing 25 banded bent over rows after that you're going to do 50 banded squat to presses so you're gonna go ahead and pretty much put the bands under your feet hold the bands in your hand drop all the way down to a squat do an overhead press to the top that's one you got 49 left after that you're gonna go ahead and knock out banded curl jacks just like you're doing jumping jacks but just curls with the bands as opposed to bringing it over your head then you're gonna do 50 more Mountain climbers. We should all know how to do mountain climbers. It's a lot of fun. Let's knock those out. After that, we jump right back into 25 banded bent over row. Then jump into 25 more lunges with band pull-aparts. And then you finish up with 25 more push-ups. That comes out to a grand total of 300 reps. This is your band of 300. This is your little bit of your little bit of love, your little bit of workouts, your little corner, your little workout corner right here with the Fight Podcast, man. So yes, real quick, let's uh, let's uh jump into it last just say one more time for you guys um we're knocking out a band 300 workout the movements go as such 25 push-ups 25 lunges with a band pull apart 25 bent over rows 50 squat the presses 50 curl jacks 25 bent over rows 25 um uh lunges 25 push-ups man and don't forget the mountain climbers um hope you guys enjoyed that is our little workout section with the fight podcast all right man um yo that's about all the time we have for today man i hope you guys have enjoyed this juicy episode of the fight podcast episode 166 of the greatest combat sports and culture show in the universe look man tell your friends we're everywhere podcasts are available man that is on itunes google play spotify soundcloud and stitcher check us out everywhere podcasting is available check us out everywhere on all social media platforms at the fire podcast follow me the underground king and don't forget to check out our sponsors at sage eats chicago that's website sage eat chicago again that is website sage eat chicago as always i love you guys um we'll be right back here before you know it wednesday on the greatest combat sports and culture show in the world the fight podcast this has been episode 166 i'm the underground king your host serge vicente i'll holler at you guys next time love you as always deuces deuces